You're listening to OK Girl, because being a woman is hard and hilarious, so let's talk about it. On today's episode, part two of our conversation with Get It Girls and therapist Marian Sueta on infidelity. All right, now we're transitioning over to our final topic, which is um, something I think that I'm fascinated about ever since I heard um, Esther Perel's TED Talk on infidelity. She's our girl. She's awesome. She's so amazing. I've seen her other TED Talk, too, on kind of, um, I think, just maintaining that attraction. And so I wanted to talk about infidelity and what better people than, you know, counselors and therapists to be able to talk to us about it. So um, I think, you know, when we talk about infidelity, let's talk about first what is considered to be infidelity. Like how would, and again, it depends, right? But what do people mostly classify it as? Uh, yeah, it really does depend. Um, some people believe, you know, in the couple, some people believe if it's physical, then that's infidelity. Um, and then some people broaden that to be, even if it's emotional, that's infidelity. Um, the way that I kind of conceptualize it, and in, in, um, I think even Esther Perel has said, um, or, viewed similarly, anything that involves secrecy. So if, if you are forming a relationship with another guy or another another woman and to the point where you have to hide some aspects or um, relevant part of that relationship from your partner, then that can be construed as um, infidelity. Okay. Because it's the secrecy that damages more than anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, the way I approach it is I ask the couple how they define it mm-hmm. and I kind of work from you know what their cues that they give me now what's interesting is when uh, uh, members of the couple define it differently you know yeah. um, mm-hmm. sometimes one party will say well even if you fantasize about another person you're cheating on me yeah. and uh, the mm-hmm. other party will say well no I'm only cheating on you if I actually um, have sex with the other person everything else so I think that's where it gets a little tricky is when yeah. the two members of the couple to find it differently. But I let the couples tell me what they think mm-hmm. it is, and yeah. then we kind of work from there. Yeah. And earlier when you were talking about preferences, mm-hmm. right? Like, so kind of like, um, I get aroused by feet massages, mm-hmm. but that person's preference is not liking mm-hmm. feet. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about infidelity and different mindsets on what infidelity is, mm-hmm. does that work kind of the same way? Like... As a preference, no, no, because if okay. one partner, if one partner, anyone in the relationship, if they even begin to feel this sense of betrayal, then it changes. Mm-hmm. It's not about preference. Then it's about mm-hmm. okay, you yeah. really impacted my ability to be in this relationship and trust. Mm-hmm. It's no longer just mm-hmm. about okay, that's what you like or this is what mm-hmm. I like. Yeah. Then yeah. it becomes, then it does become personal right. a little bit. It's hard to. You get the feelings of shame, rejection. And, mm-hmm. and relationships are a series of agreements, right? Mm-hmm. So in, a, in the couple, you're implicitly or explicitly making agreements all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I think when it comes to matters of fidelity, um, probably the couple needs to be have some agreement about what that looks like. Or it sure would be nice if they had the same idea about what that would look like. You know, and if they don't, then that's one of the things we address probably as Mm -hmm. part of therapy, is how do we get 
to some agreement and where can you guys um, compromise or find agreement. So kind of like with the communication, mm -hmm. communication yeah. becomes really important. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And then with, um, I guess with infidelity, um, what would be, I guess, a reason, let me think about this. All right. So I'm sure that you've seen lots of different couples and different people who are coming in. Um, when they're coming in to see a therapist, is it because for the most part, they're trying to work through it and try to stay mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. Or what are reasons why someone would come to, a, um, I guess, couples counseling or to a therapist mm -hmm. when infidelity has happened? Mm -hmm. hmm. I'll, I'll start if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so it depends. Oh, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes it's one person who's really wanting to work through it and the other one isn't. And sometimes it's both people. Um, what I found, and I don't know if you found this to be true, Swaita, mm -hmm. but is that um, so many people have said, um, you know, I'll accept, I'll tolerate anything in this relationship, but if you cheat on me, I'm out of here. Like that's the one thing you're yeah. not allowed to do, mm -hmm. you know, and then it happens. And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. Yes. Wait, I did say that, but now I'm not sure. <laughs> and that's, I think, tends to be where I kind of meet couples. I don't know if you, that's been your experience. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right there, that, that juncture mm -hmm. of, oh, my God, it's here. Mm -hmm. What do we do? Because the way that you think you react, you don't necessarily see yourself doing that mm -hmm. when it arrives at your doorstep. Mm -hmm. um, so... Yeah, usually the they come in to at least talk about it. Mm -hmm. They need a safe place to even yeah. just talk about what happened. Right. The decision whether they want to stay, they want to separate, um, is a is a conversation for much later. It's just mm -hmm. talking about it. Like, how do I talk about this with you in the same room and just not feel rageful and leave? Mm -hmm. So usually they have some kind of internal or you know joint motivation to at least just let's get to the point of being able to share this information mm -hmm. together. Okay. And, and the therapist in that space is providing safety and some structure for the couple because uh, they may not have that when they're in their home. Mm -hmm. They may, and when I say safety, you know, just meaning they can talk about it without emotions kind of getting it out of control. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the, I know we all like our lists, what are some of the, I guess, the top five reasons why why people cheat on each other? Mm. I don't know, can you tell? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still thinking. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, again, I'll kind of tag to what I've, you know, learned from Esther Perel's, you know, reading and just uh, listening to her TED Talks as well and, and stuff on YouTube. Um, she, she, I like the way that she kept, I can't give you five reasons, sure, right. but I, I can give you a common misconception, okay. which is uh, a lot of times the person who is betrayed or is the, is the victim of the infidelity will believe it's something about them. Like, mm -hmm. I wasn't good enough, or mm -hmm. I wasn't, it was some 
defect in me and he wanted something else or she wanted something else. Um, but really sometimes it's not so much about your partner as much as it about you that during the course of this relationship or marriage that you have become a different mm -hmm. person and seeking that outside relationship or person gives you that sense of being a different person. Mm -hmm. There's an aspect in yourself that you don't like anymore or have lost that that other person um, allows you to feel or, or have. Mm -hmm. So it's really about a, a sense of loss within mm -hmm. identity and, and, and you and that person fulfills it. So it's really really not about the other partner. Interesting. Yeah. But that loss of identity, there's something has happened in the relationship where that is no, it's, it's no longer become safe to talk about. Mm -hmm that, okay, I'm experiencing this loss, I no longer feel this way, is it something in the system, is it something um, in me? Usually those are things that you can go to your partner and talk about, but sometimes so you, there's so much disconnection and um, distance between two people that it's no longer yeah, a conversation. Right. I think, um, yeah, I, I agree, I found that to be true. You know, the reasons vary from people being really dissatisfied in the relationship and sort of checked out um, to people actually not expecting to have an affair at all mm -hmm. and being surprised themselves and kind of horrified themselves that they've participated in one. You know, it's just taken them by surprise. Um, so it's hard to like pinpoint one reason. It's not mm -hmm. always, some people will say they're happily married and they will still have an affair, mm -hmm. you know. Um, some people are really unhappily married and they have an affair. Mm -hmm. Some people are, you know, there are certain, um, I guess we would say nodes in therapy when it may be more likely um, uh, when there's a pregnancy, mm -hmm. um, when right after marriage, sometimes where there's increased responsibility, mm -hmm. um, when there's a death, a loss, a parent, person's experiencing a loss, um, when kids are going away to college. So there's certain times in a couple. So like big changes in yeah, your life is what it's exactly. Like. And there's big changes and it's affecting their identity. Yeah, yeah, their identity. Um, and and some people also, you know, an affair ignites something in them that they have lost. Yeah. They've lost mm -hmm. contact with. It makes them feel good about themselves. It makes them feel excited about life. It makes them feel um, maybe confident. Maybe they're, they'll try things they wouldn't have tried before. So it's, it helps connect them with maybe the way they used to see themselves and they've lost yeah. sight of that, yeah. or the way they'd like to see themselves. And, they, and it kind of ignites something in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So now when you have the couple in the room, say let's assume that in this case the couple is very interested in coming in and seeking help together. Mm -hmm. What would be, I guess, you have the victim and then you have the, the, the yeah. <laughs> I like your term, but it's not, there's a better word. I, yeah, I, I struggle with that too. I, I I can't, so you have the person who was cheated on and mm -hmm. the person who cheated. Mm -hmm. What is something that you do or maybe that you would encourage the person who was cheated on to do to continue to try to maintain a positive relationship if that's what they're trying to do with the person that cheated on them so kind of like almost 
what's kind of going through the person's mind who was cheated on? It's almost like they're being brought in, like, I was in trouble, so I'm here, kind of, right? Like they're put on trial. They're put on trial. Mm -hmm. So what do you do to kind of calm them down and make them feel like this is a problem for the both of us? And kind of, kind of approaching it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm just curious, like, what's going on in the mind of the person who's cheated on at that moment when they know it's a problem? Mm -hmm. Like, they've come out, mm -hmm. and they're scared. Mm -hmm. and yeah. So the person, let me make sure I understand. Are you, are you talking about the person who did the cheating? Yes. Okay. The person did cheat. So, and I'm, my, and I need to calm them down. Is that what you asked me? Yeah, kind of <laughs> basically how to help or how to handle that situation mm -hmm. so that that person doesn't necessarily feel like they're on trial. Yeah. yeah. And and um, the one to blame and right. the finger wagged at them. Right. Because mm -hmm. as the cheated person, yeah. you're probably still feeling hurt. Right. But right. how do you still yeah. continue to maintain it? Well, you know, so, and, okay, so therapy with. Infidelity, the way I approach it, I don't know. So mm -hmm. you maybe you maybe your approach is similar or a difference in some way. Mm -hmm. Like first, you're just trying to uh, manage the crisis. You're trying to get people. Um, you're, you're addressing the things like where are you living? Are you both in the same house? Who have you told? Do the kids know? Do the you know what do you what are you want to do you know those kind of things so you're kind of just like in crisis management mm -hmm. when you when you're when the crisis has kind of become managed and people settle down then you start to address um, the trust and what happened and part of that is actually getting the person who cheated to take responsibility right mm -hmm. um, because it's difficult to have the the um, the person who was betrayed have a sense that there's they can trust again if the person does not actively take some responsibility mm -hmm. um, so you do a lot of work to help the person take responsibility I don't, and I, I've done it in different ways how what are ways that you do that so um, when a couple first comes in with infidelity uh, really a lot of that first initial meeting is is getting the history of the relationship, how long the affairs happened, when did this happen, getting kind of the history timeline sort of type of thing. And then I kind of always educate at the end about the grief process mm -hmm. because it's, it's the most, it's happening and it's real because there is a loss in the relationship now. There's a loss yeah. of trust. There's a loss of connection. There's, and most of all, there's a loss of safety, emotional safety. Right. So I literally go over, you know, the the different phases of grief, which um, is uh, denial, anger, depression, bargaining, and acceptance. Mm. Right. And whoever has been betrayed will go through this, and it's not linear, and it's messy. And it doesn't look like, okay, today she's angry, that means she's one step closer, or he's one step closer to acceptance. Mm -hmm. No, it can you can be in a moment of bargaining and accepting and be, okay, we're gonna work through this, and then something triggers you to remind you of that loss of safety, and you're right back in anger or in depression. 
So I normalize that a lot because he also or she also needs to know the um, cheater or yeah, cheater. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, needs to also know that that's going to be if he or she wants to continue the relationship, that that's the reality mm-hmm. of what it's going to look like mm-hmm. for yeah. a very long time is that it's not going to look predictable. Mm-hmm. It's going to look all over the place. And, you know, subsequent sessions, um, there's kind of this, uh, again, cycle, but not necessarily linear, of a tone, a tune, and attach. Mm-hmm. So what you were saying about um, getting you know, the, the betrayer to, um, acknowledge what's mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. That might need to happen a lot yeah. initially. Mm-hmm. Right. And yes, there's going to be sh- feelings of shame. Mm-hmm. There's going to be feelings of remorse and at, at, at maybe at some point it's going to get real frustrating mm-hmm. <coughs> and yeah. provoking for that yeah. person as well. But that's when individuals really good. Yeah, exactly. Because in this cycle, Again, like how you said, there's there's two sets of emotions that are equally important, mm-hmm. right? But initially in couples therapy, it looks like a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, atoning and validation and just acceptance mm-hmm. for the messiness that has brought us here. Well, as, yeah. as therapists, we uh, are partial to both perspectives. Mm-hmm. So, um, meaning um, we, it's our job to... Um, sort of understand each person's experience and help them feel like they're not being judged yeah. in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's, that's, we get a lot of training on that, on how mm-hmm. to um, make sure that we are uh, not passing judgment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, because, I mean, who would want to sit in the room where they're being attacked exactly. by? And so um, empathizing and having compassion for both parties in the room because both are under stress and both are experiencing a loss, as you said, so we do. And both are um, freaking out about what's going to happen next. Yes. And one thing Esther Perel does say that I think is really powerful is the relationship you had is dead. Dead. Yeah, it's done. It's finished. You can no longer safely enter that one again. It's done. You can decide to, you know... um, end and go your separate ways or you can decide to continue and create something new oh that's interesting Mm -hmm. so what would that process be like like if the person is committed to okay or the couple they want to work together Mm -hmm. what would that new beginning kind of like how would they approach that a new beginning Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> like what advice would you give the person a new hope, a new hope um, that was I guess cheated on mm-hmm. if they've made the decision that they want to stay I'm so sorry I got choked up here for a second yeah, that's like, okay. <laughs> well it, and like I mentioned that, that so I kind of like view it in phases like you know the first phase is crisis management the second phase is reestablishing the trust mm-hmm. the third phase is sort of assessing what was happening in the relationship and why why the affair happened mm-hmm. and then the and by the time you get to the fourth phase where you're um, um, really looking at um, where the relationship is going from there you've done a lot of the legwork to get to that place so people feel the safety's been established trust is being reestablished mm-hmm. and then you get them working on the things that maybe they weren't working on as a couple 
in the first place. Yes. <laughs> what would yes. you say or add or change? Um, no, all of that. Uh, I think at, at that point, even initially when you start couples again, uh, it's really important to have your individual as well. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think a lot of it's empowerment for the um, the person who's been betrayed. But not empowerment in, in terms of you need to leave or you need to stay or you need mm -hmm. to it more so in this decision is yours mm -hmm. you're valid in feeling what you're feeling um because i think uh, the person who's betrayed is already doing a lot of questioning whether they're valid in feeling or they're feeling what they're feeling but are they valid in making a choice mm. based on that yeah. and kind of just separating the two and giving you the, the mm -hmm. airspace to even have those emotions um without necessarily feeling like obliged to behave the same way in a relationship. I don't think it's sense. <laughs> when you were talking, I was thinking like, um, you know, the other thing that happens is that couples feel there's a stigma to infidelity. Yeah. And, um, and you touched on shame. Mm -hmm. And the couple as a whole can experience all the shame. Um, so. Um, I encourage couples to confide and trusted others mm -hmm. about what they're going through mm -hmm. um, to, to get support mm -hmm. for the relationship from out, you know beyond just the two of them and what we're doing in the room um, and to help validate them as a couple um, mm -hmm. And that can be really powerful for couples. I think there's a stigma associated because, you know, so many people are like, if you ever cheat on me, yeah. you're dead to me. There's a stigma attached to actually staying, staying. in the relationship yes. and working on the marriage. Right. And people, I mean, we saw this in the recent election where um, one of the presidential candidates was sort of vilified for staying in her marriage. Oh, yeah. Because yes. even though her husband was unfaithful. So mm -hmm. um, there is... Um, a lot of stigma socially for couples, and so they tend to be like want to hide what's going on. Yeah, and it's a good point because again, if we're talking about just identity, mm -hmm. when you're that person that says, you know what, okay, I'll put up with this, but once it goes here, once he or she's cheated, that's it. That's going to be the cutoff, and then you may see yourself react differently. So at that point, what do you have? You have a loss of identity. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, wow, yeah. I thought I would do something, and now I'm seeing myself. Do something else and oftentimes you can label that as I'm weak see I didn't do what I said I was gonna do yeah. that internal battle is sometimes even just getting pulled and unlinking that that okay you can't back then you were different than you are now the circumstance is different at right. this point you know I think um, it's, it's like what's it 32 percent I want to say it's 32 percent of couples uh, who experience infidelity do continue in the relationship as a couple with satisfaction. Okay. So that's reassuring. Yeah. That's a place <laughs> to build from. I think it can be higher. Mm -hmm. I do. I think you know one of the things. Um, so in our in our world today is infidelity is oftentimes conceptualized as a trauma. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how we we talk about it with clients. They're experiencing trauma, <clears throat> um, but. I think it's this experience of a trauma because we have uh, maybe a false belief that um, if I choose the right partner, this can never happen to me. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I 
you know, if I guess if I had advice for people, yeah. it would be to say, you are going to do your best to choose the right partner, and um, I and let's hope this doesn't happen to you. But if it does happen to you, let's hope that you guys can work through it. Yeah. You know, is a better way to think about it mm -hmm. <laughs> because. It is fairly common. I think the estimates are between 40 and 60% of couples will experience infidelity That's in the course point. of their relationship. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, now that uh, with in our modern and contemporary world, you know, we live a really long time. That's a long time to be married to the same person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> really long time. If you're getting married when you're 25 and you don't die till you're 90, you know, that's oh, gosh. That <laughs> I like how Sister Perel talks about, you know, how we've shifted so much in, in our needs for predictability yes. and, de and uh, being with someone who's dependable yes, and reliable yes, yes. and predictable, but also at the same time needing something new, spontaneous, yes, and novel. Yeah. And yeah. how can one person fulfill both? Right, exactly. exactly. That's kind of interesting because I see a lot of shift from monogamy to. Yeah. Yeah. relationships now. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and, and um, I saw, she was actually in Dallas mm. um, last year, and I went and saw her speak, and one of the things she talked about was, uh, and I think she even says this on her TED Talk, like, mm -hmm. we're monogamous in that we have one relationship at a time. Yes. 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 We may not have one relationship in a lifetime. lifetime. Like we're not penguins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, I mean, that's certainly true. I, I, you know, I think we're in like the greatest experiment ever to, in terms of marriage and partnering because we, uh, well, one, women are in the workforce and women have, um, don't have to marry. Yeah. They don't mm -hmm. have to marry. We can take care of ourselves now. <laughs> yeah. We don't exactly. need men. We can provide for ourselves. Thank you very much. And we can have children without men too. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think it's it'll be interesting to see how how I mean we're seeing the effects of some of that on marriage when because now uh, you know infidelity rates are higher today because people have more access you know to partners so, mm -hmm. in the workplace and so it's easier to cheat and the internet uh, and social media yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it's easier to cheat but it's easier to get caught yes. Mm. You know, I don't know mm. if you found this true, but a lot of times, I mean, I think every, almost every couple I've worked with, they, the reason that the affair became, um, you know, they found no. out about it is because they looked on, you know, the so mobile yeah. phone, yeah. their iPad, their yeah. Facebook, Snapchat. Ashley Madison was hacked. Yeah, <laughs> there was like exactly. a poor snuffle that uh, I think a thousand percent, uh, I mean, uh, a thousand to like one percent of females to men. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. So, um, kind of just to wrap it up, final thoughts on, I guess, infidelity and couples counseling and you know I liked how you gave advice to someone who's kind of just kind of experiencing it now like if you're mm -hmm. facing it so what, do you have any final words um, about infidelity or sure just in general um, there's hope 
Mm -hmm. That uh, infidelity is not a death sentence. It is a big loss. It is um, traumatic. It does change relationships forever, and it's supposed to. Um, But there, like you know, how Mary said that there's hope in your ability to be and create a new version. Awesome. Yeah. I think of it as like designer marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, couples can come in and design the marriage they actually want to have. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Instead of the marriage that they were kind of felt like they were stuck issue. with. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. The traditions. The traditional yeah. marriage. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They get to be in charge of recreating. You know, I think, um, too, like, uh, so I'm not, I'm from California where I think therapy is more accepted part of the culture mm-hmm. um, and moving to Texas has been different like people are starting to find um, a therapy starting to be more accepted but I I, you know the way I, I guess I kind of uh, position it with couples is that you know we learn about ourselves in relationship to others and being in couples therapy is not just about like learning how to fight better or something. No, it's really about learning more about yourself and who you are in a relationship. And I think that that is always useful. Yeah. I can't think of a time where that's not useful for. And so I, you know, I'm somebody who would think every couple should come into couples therapy. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I guess that's excellent. Well, thank you both so much. I think we had a lot of amazing conversations and topics to talk about today. And in the future, if um, anyone is interested in your services, would you have any recommendations or suggestions on how they find you? Yeah. Um, so they can, so Swift and I both work for um, a private practice group called LifeWorks. Okay. The Lifeology Institute. Yes. Now. That's right. So the website is called wefixbrains.com. Nice. <laughs> and um, they could find both of our profiles on there and email us through that website. Mm-hmm. And then also um, Psychology Today. Um, What's your formal titles? That's true. Or what? Our formal titles. Yeah. Um, I'm an LPC intern. And I'm an LMFT associate. Okay. Also, wefixbrains.com, mm-hmm. uh, the number 214 4001. Okay, thank you, Mary. <laughs> 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 um, and we have several locations too. We yeah. um, just moved our Dallas office to a brand new, beautiful space mm-hmm. in Uptown. And then we have our Snyder Park location, and we also have a location in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Yoga, yoga therapy upstairs. Yeah, we do yeah. psychotherapy. Yeah, we have psychotherapeutic yoga, Ayurvedic, nutritional counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, if you name it, we do it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. You will get help. If it's not we, us, it'll be yes. someone here. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap. I uh, just put myself out there. <laughs>